Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Natalie Eldred. In four square metres of concrete, 15 feet above Church Street, with a few 5.99 pots from Aldi, peat-free compost and some past-their-sell-by-date plants, Amelia had nurtured an oasis. Even the kebab shop bins couldn't penetrate the heady scent of Bougainvillea. Amelia relaxed into her purple lounger, book in one hand, wine glass in the other, as the afternoon sun caressed tired limbs. Nice tits, yelled a lad from the top deck of a passing tourist bus. A cursory glance for Amelia, and his t-shirt exploded red. 
one less overripe tomato on the vine. She had become an excellent shot. Plain Sight by Sophie Drenogel. Blind, yes, but I could see you preying on the love of my life. I'd almost hear those secret waves and the crinkles of your smiling eyes as you undressed one another the audible creaks of our neighbouring wooden boundary fence over which you'd lean to kiss our marriage goodbye. Your smell, Jean Patou's joy perfume, wafting in the breeze, sickened me to my depths. So now you have him, while I languish in a private hospital for the partially sighted. Expenses paid by your retirement pot. You are such a deserving target. Dead easy to scam. Sparks from the fire 
Big Bag of Onions, a remarkable adventure in words and music, where everything you hear is from you, our listeners. This is the Community of Onions on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Except no inferior onions, because only the best will do. The Corpse's Shame by Steve Gow Tied face down on the bed, wearing nothing other than his best stripy underpants, was not how Andy had envisaged his first gig with the murder mystery crew. He'd been a guest and did well, his sleuthing uncovering the murderer and their motive. He fancied himself as an actor. Now here he was, face down in the pillow, as the hotel guests patrolled the scene. Two women started giggling. Look at his underpants! Stripy big pants, the other replied. Cheap dinner wine hysteria overtook them. Andy cringed, but said nothing, as it would be inappropriate for a corpse to show emotion. Sand stone. May the four winds 
by Pat Bloss. we have a plain and simple box as you can see completely empty I spin it solid one way in and I assure you one way out I need the assistance of one person from the audience you sir yes you in the blue suit and the cheesy grin thank you and your name is Paul excellent something short and snappy for the headstone now then just step in here please that's it mind your head we mustn't damage the equipment must we And now I say the magic words. Bugger. Just remembered I'm claustrophobic. So we have an email here from Mango Dread of Balls Green. Thank you for writing in, Mango. Nice to hear from you again. And Mango asks, uh, why is it Series 5 now? And why was the last one called Series 4? And what happened to Series 1, 2 and 3? Well, Mango, Bill's Big Bag of Onions, for three series, that was uh, 150 shows, used to use random sound clips and spoken word items scavenged from films, podcasts, audio books, things like that. And these were interspersed with music. And it was broadcast in the early hours of Tuesday mornings on Colm Radio. But starting with Series 4, the spoken word became Onions, specially written for the show by friends of Colm Radio. And this has continued with the current Series 5. Thank you. 
opens up and is sharing Breathing in and is smiling Breathing out and is giving Listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions, an extraordinarily tasty and chewy pot of wonderful stories and blended music chosen and written by our own community here at 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Go on, love my onions. I know I do. Little Things by Jenny Miller I knew what was coming when my suitcase took a long time to go through the x-ray scanner. What have you got, little, little things? She said, indicating an inch and a half with her fingers. I showed her a packet of metal e-cigarette cartridges. No, not that, she said, rummaging. Aha! She pulled out an unopened box of tampons, ripped the top, and they flew out in a fountain formation. People ran around and retrieved them for me. She looked at me, puzzled, and asked, What are they? I beckoned her closer and whispered an explanation in her ear.
Working from Home by Phil Boast. Have you had a stapler? What? I can't find my bloody stapler. What are you doing? I'm stapling some papers together. Oh, well, you'll need a stapler for that then. I mean, I don't mind you borrowing things. Just put them back, will you? What does it look like? It looks like a stapler. Like the one about two feet from your right elbow? Oh, well, it wasn't there a minute ago. Yes, well, I expect it flew in through the window when we weren't looking. Sorry. Anyway, dear heart, I have my own stapler. Don't work too late, will you? Still running from the past Tall tales lie in history And flames burn through the memories There's a country that is aching For a way to call its own You can feel the mansions shaking As the first real seed is sown now you can't talk about the future if you're running from the past It's a terror in Australia Jails and guns and failure Can you see the ships are coming stately through the heads And arched out over the white sails is a merchant's flag of red Now Captain Cook spawns Captain Coke And beer flows over on In a twinkling of an eye, my friends They spend your dollars very well And those traditions they can't sell Sit silent in the sun where ignorance and wealth combine To crush the fruit upon the vine It's a terror in Australia Jails and guns and failure It's a terror in Australia He hoped to never see again by Ian Hornet. He'd sat at the desk, staring at the words on the page. 
just lines and dots. Yet the message had been clear. He was to return to the place he hoped he'd never see again. A chance to heal wounds. Not for him. Anger. Resistance. He put up a fight. In the end, he had no choice. As the engine roared into life, he stared forward. Desperate not to go. Helpless to prevent it. Fear. Worry. He used to have the balls to face it all. Now, only scars. Check up. Bloody vets. Ought to be a law against neutering. Just this vision, a sort of living, breathing, developing hour. And it is just randomness. Living, breathing, developing hour, hour. That music just comes in. Odd little snatches of weird conversations between us with strange little stings and bits of music to move it into the next thing. Slow, ambient sort of music and then suddenly we're we're two people having a row, and then some two people having a really good conversation about something. And maybe just in the background, the same word is being repeated, word of the week. But we just say the word Brian for a minute, backwards, forwards. A sort of living, breathing, developing hour. It's Blanade's bag of a bag of a bag of a bag. Big Bag of Onions on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. Innovative voices and original stories making our unique community. No onions have been hurt in the making of this programme.
Woof Woof by Rob Lewis. Give me cats any day. When I was 15, my dad, an inveterate golfer, was attacked by an Alsatian on a course in leafy Wimbledon. It turned out the canine terror belonged to Oliver Reed, major film star and Hellraiser. Reed paid for a new pair of trousers. A British tabloid found out, chortling, Dr. Hold on the fourth green. Fast forward decades, and I've just been bitten by a dog in Turkey for the second time while out jogging. Bitten in a sore spot, too. Tetanus and rabies shots followed. Street dogs are esteemed in Istanbul. Not by me. Disappointment by Gladys Hornet. The King and Queen were coming to the Essex show, and the whole school was going to be there. This was 1948, no television, so to actually see them. We made Union Jack flags, and on the day set off for our place on the route. The road was lined with excited adults and children. At last, the traffic stopped. The road was empty. Cheers gradually got louder. Then two policemen arrived on motorbikes, followed by a large car. Inside were two ordinary people waving. But where were the golden carriages, horses, soldiers, the king and queen wearing crowns?
The Mysterious Box by Tony Piers. Maisie placed the large box before us. The contrast between miniature Maisie and the box heightened the mystery of its contents. We knew we shouldn't open it, so instead took turns in guessing what lay inside. Maisie claimed it was the key to a pantry stacked with indescribable fairy cakes. Patrick was certain it contained official documents and would say no more. I was convinced it held evidence to a grisly murder. And Poppy told us to stop being so bloody nosy. Just then, our stepfather appeared and deftly whisked the box away. So we'll never know. Disappointing or what? You have just been down on Colm Radio's Vegetable Patch, harvesting onions grown by Natalie Eldred, Sophie Drenogel, Steve Gow, Pat Bloss, Jenny Miller, Phil Boast, Ian Hornet, Rob Lewis, Gladys Hornet, and Tony Piers. And so that's all we have time for, for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Colm Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Excuse me, sir. Uh, what do you think of Bill's big bag of onions? Onions are good. Onions are really awesome. Yeah. Onions are good. Because guess what? You eat them. You enjoy them. You eat them all day long. And you never stop. Yeah, you just eat them. Just enjoy them. Eating onions and apples. Eating salad. Salad's good. Salad's healthy. Woo! Salad's good. Thank you very much. Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know. Far from the sprawl of concrete that keeps crawling its way. Keep your heart off your sleeve. Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher Episode 25 Preparing to Leave The weeks between our arrival back in Colchester and our next and last departure are like a kind of half-life which we know will end soon so we may as well make the most of it and, aside from anything else, enjoy our time with the family and friends. We decide that I'll work up to near the end, since mine is now our only income and the extra paycheck will be handy. So I formally inform the relevant government department that I'll be leaving or taking my career break. And aside from lunch with some of my closest colleagues, not much will be made of it, work-wise. This is not retirement or resignation after all. And as far as anyone knows, myself included, I might be back in two years' time, or less, should things go quickly and disastrously wrong. 
Certain important family things have to be done during this time, and one of these is second Christmas, since Phil and I weren't around last December to celebrate with the kids. This does not involve a Christmas tree, but we decorate Carol's extensive dining table, give each other presents, and Carol cooks a turkey with all the trimmings for the omnivores and makes a nut roast for Phil and I. And there's Christmas pudding, of course, and crackers, which have been saved for the occasion. The kids invite best friends, and a fine and festive time is had by all. The only essential difference to their first Christmas being that we're in the midst of a heatwave, so it's much warmer than the average first Christmas. The talk around the dining table revolves largely around Bahowo, and the kids recount with enthusiasm some of their experiences during their last trip, such as being sent into the village to buy eggs from Mr. Rudin's mini shop so that they could practice their Indonesian. It's nice for us that they connected so well with Bahowo. They clearly had such a great time, which was far removed from anything they'd experienced before. And we regale them with more tales of songcocks and so on, or just retell some of the old ones, which lose nothing in the retelling. Alex and Edward loved the diving with Phil, and all three of them, Hattie included, are very keen to return as soon as they can. And Carol is now under pressure. I'm redundant. For the first time since leaving college and setting up in business, I don't have any work. Which is an odd feeling, but John and Carol need a terrace in the back garden. I have nothing else to do, so we agree that I will build them one. This gives me a sense of purpose for at least some of the intervening weeks, and I'm grateful to them for providing it, and I haven't quite hung up my tools for good yet. I can't quite bear to sell the Land Rover, so instead I give it to John. John is a keen collector and rebuilder of cars and motorbikes anyway, and has several in various stages of repair. So the Landy and Paula's much-loved racing green Mini will be given garage or garden space. I don't in general share John's love of cars, but the Landy's been my faithful and always reliable workhorse for years. And this way I will have a working vehicle should everything go wrong over there and I need to start the business up again. We are hoping for the best, of course. We hope that the rest of our working lives will be spent in our tropical paradise. But there's no harm in preparing for the worst and we're as prepared as we reasonably can be for any eventuality. There are no guarantees, after all, and any number of things could go wrong. The Indonesians may decide that they don't want us over there after all, or the guests might not turn up. Oni might have more influence and bad intent than we hope is the case, or Mount Lokon might happen to choose this year in all of geological time to blow itself to death in a final blaze of volcanic glory and take the lodge with it. If any of these things happen, we'll have another life to come back to, unless in the latter scenario we happen to be in the lodge at the time, in which case any and all future plans become academic. Going to leave this broke-down palace On my hands and my knees I will roll, roll, roll Make myself a bed by the water side In my time, in my time I will roll, roll, roll In a bed, in a bed by the water side I will lay my head Listen to the river sing sweet songs To rock my soul do 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 Listen to the river sing sweet songs to rock my soul. River gonna take me, sing me sweet and sleepy. Sing me sweet and sleepy all the way back home. It's a foggone lullaby sung many years ago. Mama, mama, many worlds I've come since I first left home. Fare you well, fare you well. I love you more than words can tell. Listen to the river, sing sweet songs to rock my soul. 
This is also a time for getting together with friends. We are of an age now where large social gatherings are a rarity. Our friends by now tending to be spread far and wide across the country or around the world. And reactions to our plans vary from brave and inspired to completely insane. The truth probably lying somewhere between these extremes. But they all promise to come and see us when we're settled. Carol and I shop for certain essential items. We always need more curtains and towels. And some items for the kitchen aren't for sale in Monado, such as a potato peeler and egg cups. We won't be able to take everything. We'll have to prioritise. And we fill drawers in the Oriental suite with things to bring over in the future. We'll also have to cart our laptop over, as those aren't available for sale either. But we draw the line at taking over any foodstuffs. The only exception to this rule being Marmite in quantity, without which Phil doesn't think he'll survive for long, so that goes on the shopping list. Digestive biscuits and anything other than powdered milk he has agreed to forego as a concession to living in the tropics. We are moving to a place of very few dairy products. North Sulawesi is one of the few places in the world which uses cows as opposed to bullocks as beasts of burden. And the cows pull the carts around the plantations. Their milk is for the calves, and they're far too valuable to eat. I phone Oni sometimes and hear reports of the church being built and then of the old church being demolished, the timing of this somehow having to allow for the Pentecostal congregation to continue to have somewhere to congregate, whilst allowing enough time to excavate and build the swimming pool before our return. Indonesians work quickly if the money continues to flow, there's a lot to do, and it's going to be tight. But the nearer it gets to the end, the more hopeful I become that everything's going to get finished somehow. We've had a website designed, which we're not very happy with, but it'll do for now and until we get back to take some better photos, so at least the world can begin to know we're there, or will soon be there. Our intention and hope has always been to provide accommodation somewhere between the big hotels and the basic homestays, both in terms of cost and comfort. And all is based on the belief that Bunakan Park will continue to increase in popularity over the coming years. All of our rooms are en suite and air-conditioned, so the basics are covered. And otherwise, having travelled the world and stayed everywhere from the most basic to the most luxurious, we have an idea of what European or Australian travellers want. Better, we think, to provide excellent Indonesian food than badly cooked burger and chips. And a Western presence, which will be us, will, we hope, be a point of connection between our future guests and Indonesia. If this is going to work in the long term, then we'll be a big part of it, and so will the village. It's going to be very much a joint effort, which will, we hope, benefit everyone concerned. At least that will be our philosophy. Whether it will work or not remains to be seen. About two weeks before our departure, Carol finally gives in and agrees to take the children back. Flights are quickly booked and they'll be travelling with us when we go. Mummy will also be coming and so will Janet, so it's going to be a soft landing for us. It also gives me a lot more luggage capacity, so once again the children's clothes allowance is severely restricted in favour of soft furnishings, vacuum-packed pillows and so on. John won't be coming, he has to work. But the first couple of weeks of our new life will be spent with the family and we're both pleased about this. I do what I hope will be my last week's work as a civil servant. I hang up my suit, put my smart shoes in the bottom of the wardrobe and the last days in England are spent in final preparation for departure. It's all a bit of a rush, of course. No matter how well we think we've planned everything, there are always last-minute things to take care of. But finally we get there and spend our last night at Carol's. It's going to be an early start in the morning and Phil and I retire early and try to sleep. But we don't sleep, not for long anyway. This is a day which we've been working for and waiting for for a long time. And finally it's here. And tomorrow morning when the alarm goes off, it begins. We've respectively closed down our business and given up our job. And from now on, it's us together and Indonesia, which is an exciting and uncertain future in about equal measure. And phew, who needs sleep anyway? Motherland, 
Further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. (laughs) 